World's on fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're <laughs> jellyfish. Pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, we have passed the salt. <laughs> pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. 1971. 1900. That's easy for me to remember because that's when I graduated. Anybody else out there graduate in 1971? That seems like forever ago, doesn't it? Well, this is show. 75. This is show 1,971 this morning, if you, if you can believe that, huh? They have That's where we are. Excited to be here on a Monday morning. Uh, man, a lot of, lot of, gee, pretty event-filled weekends. A couple things I want to acknowledge here real quickly before we get rolling into where we're heading. Uh, I want to tip a cap to Glenn. Uh, Glenn Claremont's worked really, really hard to get me to a men's breakfast at his church, get them to have the courage to invite, invite me. And they invited, I had a chance Saturday morning to speak to their men's group. And uh, some of our uh, past assault guys showed up, which is really good. Always have some ameners in there. And I, I don't know. Hey, Glenn, how did it go? What was anybody reaction? I beat you up yesterday at church. Anybody running hide from you? Yeah, you'll you'll appreciate this, Coach. I uh, I pulled up yesterday, and you know one of the parking attendants is 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 wearing the Coach Dave hat, you know the cross hat, right? <laughs> yeah. So so I said to him, and I don't really know him, okay, but I said to him, I said, so what did you think about uh, you know about the men's breakfast about Coach Dave yesterday? He says, man, he says that kind of preaching we really need makes me want to get up and be active. He says. No kidding. He's a guy that doesn't do anything other than being a parking lot attendant. Amen. What's well, all he knows to do, right? That's all. That's all they gave him the chance to do at the church. And yeah. So. So uh, I, it went well. Good, Glenn. I didn't want to get you in any trouble. And thanks for opening that door. And I, I know that I know men's. I know men were touched, man. I know that they were. And then yesterday morning, I had an opportunity to speak at this little country church up up here at uh, just that would be north. East of, of uh, where we live, about 25 miles northeast, little United Methodist Church. Here's the amazing thing at this little United Methodist Church we went to. Thanks to, you know, to the crew that showed up, uh, you know, I'm going to forget somebody, George and, and Betty and Susie and her husband and her beautiful daughter and Ruby came and other others. So there were probably 30 people there maybe, and 10 of them were <laughs> Coach Dave Liver. So Appreciate all of you who showed up and supported us, supported us. And, uh, you know, really, really uh, opened my eyes to something that uh, there really are salt of the earth people, folks. There, there really is such a thing as salt of the earth people. And I jokingly I said, uh, I was probably the youngest guy, with exception with our crew that showed up. I was probably the youngest guy there. I'm 70. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making it up. This was just old, old faithful. One guy told me he had been there, hey, been going to that same church for 75 years. That's what he told me, 75. I said, how old are you? He says, well, I'm 83. So he started there when he was eight years old. Same church. And then here's the thing that, uh, God bless him, man. God bless We rocked him pretty good. And I think, they, I think they really liked it. I think we really encouraged them, which is what, what I always try to do. And uh, uh, he I was the coach in the thing. ass last night. No, that's not true, Michael. That was you. That was you, Michael. I'm sorry. So, um, uh, well, I lost, lost my train of thought there. Talking about the the old people and the word that we've all oh, uh, salt of the earth. I, I totally, I just lost my train. <laughs> well, I was heading someplace good too. But anyway, you, you, you know what? Here's here's what I know. Oh, okay. Thank you, Lord. The pastor got fired. The pastor of the church got fired from the United Methodist, whatever the heck that is. 
because in the Methodist church, you guys all know this, right? They own the building. They own the, the, so they fired the pastor because, are you ready for this? He get, renewed his credentials with the Nazarene church. In other words, he's a Methodist pastor, but he renewed his credentials with the Nazarene church and the Methodist booted him out. Now, I, I stopped there for a second, just as I was thinking about that, said, well, aren't, aren't Nazarenes and Methodists, aren't they both Christians? Aren't they both Christians? It's like he's being traded for a player to be named later, right? It's, it's, it's uh, baffled me. So it was really a godsend that, that I showed up and because he didn't come. They, they fired him on uh, Tuesday and Sunday, he didn't even come, he didn't even show up on Sunday. They told him Sunday was his last church. He didn't show up and say good, say goodbye to the people. And it was, we brought life there yesterday, folks. We brought life. We brought, we brought life. George was there. Look, I'm not bragging about me. This is important that you hear this, okay? It's important to hear this. Um, George or Susie or Betty or whoever's there, when do you think was the last time they ever heard anything like they heard yesterday? Anybody want to want any of you want to come? I'm not bragging on myself. If that's what you think, you don't even understand. I said Ruby. My wife said, don't forget Ruby. I said Ruby. Thanks for coming, Ruby. Anybody I want doubt to come ever. I doubt ever. I doubt ever. And ever. They, were, they were amazed. And you had them smiling. You had them laughing. You had them thinking. And I don't think... They, I think half the time they slept, Amen. or more. Not when you preach. When the they're other just a, they're just a family that comes together every Sunday. Wouldn't you say that, Betty? Just a yes, family. I would. Yes, yes. I'm Thank sure you. they're close. And and folks, that's part of my call to wake the dead. That's part of my call. And I saw it yesterday. Hey, Coach, can I just interrupt for a, one minute? Yes. Um, I went to a United Methodist Church the other day for a free meal, and the lady's a pastor, and people are walking around, the women will say, this is my wife, and so now, you know, and I want to go there and do something, but I couldn't believe, I'm just, like, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. United that's Methodist Church. That's what happened. But, but listen, let's be encouraged that the old salt of the earth people are still out there, folks. They are still out there. 85-year-old people Amen. said that I, the room was full of them. And I didn't know how they were going to take it because that's some, for those of you who have never heard me in a setting like that, I'm pretty hot, right? I'm pretty hot, pretty loud, pretty much in, not in your face, but my way or the yeah. highway when, when I, and that they, I, their life came back to them. Life. Mel was there. Thank you, Mel. I left. They were encouraged when we left. And, uh, this sounds like horrible self-promotion, but I just got to tell you, I want, I want to, I need to do more of this. I, I told Michelle when we were coming home, that, that's my gift. Roger Weaver, if you guys remember last week, Roger Weaver said, asked me, what is your gift? What is your gift? Does anybody out, about you out there remember what I said? Look, it's not about me. Does anybody remember what I said my gift was? I can't remember. Exhortation. 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 Oh, yeah. That's my gift. You in a dead church, when some life breathed into it, that's what I do. Exhortation. So I thank all of you that came. And, and uh, I mean, it just. Hey, George, are you there, George? Sometimes George gets. Yeah, I'm right hey, here. George, you sent me the sweetest text. Tell people, George, what you texted me yesterday, what your experience was. Okay. What I saw. Well, do you want me to read the text? <laughs> I don't uh, what I saw was this. I saw I humble. I saw humble, uh, God-loving people there that cared deeply about each other. That prayed for, you know, uh, Sue and Joe or whoever they were having this trouble, this trouble, this trouble. And then I saw when you got up there, Coach. I saw in their eyes the men, the women. Uh, the average age had to be eighty in there, maybe a little older. I don't even know, but they were. They were an elderly group, but I saw, I saw all of them. Listen, hear what you said, and um, it hit. It hit home, and it hit hard. All of them, I saw it. 
That's what I saw. Amen, George. I believe, I believe that too. I believe that too. So I'm not going to talk anymore about that. Thanks to all of you that came. And I'd, I'd love to come to your church. I'd love to come to your church. No, I don't have a big speaking fee. I ask people to, to pay my expenses. If I have to fly to, if I got to fly to some church in Maine, just help, help me get out there. That's all, that's all I care about. This ain't a job. This is a, this is a, this is a mission. It's a life mission. And I want to speak to the dead. I want to speak life to the dead. Folks, if we don't wake up the dead, the Christian dead, if we don't speak life into them, if we get to the point where we are continually, most of you right now who go to your church could sit down. If I gave you $50 for the correct answers, you could write down the line of what your service is going to be when you go there Sunday. They're going to do this. There's going to be a welcome. There's going to be an opening prayer. The choir is going to sing a hymn. You can, you can, there is never, ever, hardly in any of our churches, the opportunity for the Holy Spirit of God to show up. And see, I, I broke through yesterday because why? The pastor wasn't there to control the service. I'm not saying he was going to, but where they do, they do control the service. And the pastor wasn't there. And this faithful old guy who told me he'd been there for 70 years, all of a sudden was thrown into the, he had to step into the pulpit and kind of organize things as it went. Uh, Susie said the little lady behind her said, boy, we needed that. Mm. Man, oh man, oh man. We need encourage, folks. We need encourage. Because we're not going to win this battle with discouraged troops. We're not, we won't win them. We will not win with discouraged troops, right? Praise the Lord. So I was refreshed yesterday. Thank God for that. Thank God for all of you that came. And um, man, we need we need encouraged. Man. Uh, same thing with Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. Okay, I'm looking over here. Where do, where do I start? Because I got 15 things I want to talk about today. Uh, my 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 song stays the same, whether you realize it or not. Every day, we're winning. We are winning. And the, one of the problems we're facing is we're going up against an eschatology. John, I'm going to see how good you are, Mr. Producer. Go to Webster and see if you can bring up the word eschatology. Eschatology. E-S-C. They may not even have had it back then. Eschatology. Uh, they didn't have it. Eschatology. Wait a minute. They didn't even have any eschatology back in those days? Well, go to go to a regular dictionary. What does it say about eschatology? I'm not, I've never heard anything. It's Forty years of my life, I've never heard eschatology ever, ever. Es- John's going to find it for us here. Sorry, this is just the Holy Spirit right off the top of my head. Eschatology. There it is, Jonathan. What's it say? Eschatology refers to the study of the end times. What? It is predicted by several world religions, including Abrahamic and non-Abrahamic, which teach that negative world events will reach a climax. Christian eschatology is a study of what the Bible says is going to happen in the end times. It is not Christology or soetology, but it is important to a biblical worldview. Now, hang on a second. Jonathan eschatology. Go back to Webster's 1824 dictionary, and there was no such thing as the study of end-time theology. Pull it up there, John. Come on, make me a liar. Eschatology. What's it say? No results found. So when did the study, in all of Christian history, when did the study of end times become the focus? When did that happen, friends? When did that happen? Because before that, that word wasn't even a word. And now we look at churches, and what are they all teaching? End time eschatology. The events happening in the end times. Can I tell you why they're teaching that? Because they're convinced we're in them. Convinced we're in the end times. Are we? I don't know, but I can tell you this. The study of it is a modern phenomenon. And that's what launched 
<clears throat> the late great planet Earth. I showed you that the other. Look, I'm not trying to trample on any. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, although I don't care if I do. Go, Jonathan, the late great planet Earth. Pull that up there again. Just Google that. The late great planet Earth. In my opinion, was the launch of a hyper eschatological uh, study in, in the American church. The book was written in 1980 by Hal Lindsey. It's 1970. I'm sorry. I was a senior in high school. Think about that a second. When Hal Lindsey came out with the book, The Late Great Planet Earth, audience of 17 million, and now the entire, you guys know I'm telling you the truth, the entire Christian world is focused on eschatology, end times, premillennial, dispensationalism, eschatology. Click on that a second real quick. I didn't know I was going to do this. Bear with me. Jonathan, description. You see, it says premillennial dispensational eschatology. Click on that highlight there if you can. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, let's, let's just, okay, there's premillennialism. Is in Christian eschatology, it's a belief that Jesus will return to the earth. Second coming before the millennial reign, a thousand years. Okay, go back to the other one, Jonathan. So that's called premillennialism. And then what is what? What's the next word there, Jonathan? Uh, God, I wouldn't. I'm sorry, I'd be more prepared than this. Go up a little bit. You're down too low. Oh, it's dispensationalism. It's a theological framework of interpreting the Bible, which maintains that history is divided into multiple ages of dispensation, in which God acts with His chosen people in different ways. This term dispensationalism attributed to Phil Morrow, a critic of the system's teachings, in a 1928 book. Folks. 1928. How long has Christianity been around? Only since 1928 has the idea of dispensationalism been taught. Look, I'm not arguing whether or not it's true or not. I don't I don't know if it's true. But it's new. In eschatology, what's eschatology? Huh? It comes from the end of the world and end times. It's predicted by world religion. Okay, so there. So I believe this has, for whatever reason, good or bad, influenced modern American Christianity, that we are so focused on end times that we're losing sight of present times. It's only going to get worse so we don't do anything to keep it from getting worse. And as a result, that is the modern day. See, occupy till I come. You will not occupy if you think we're about to abandon ship. Folks, it's just it's just human nature. It's just human nature. Like when you go through and you you clean out your garage, which Michelle and I have been doing, cleaning out our garage, and you pick something up and you say to yourself, why are we keeping this, honey? Why are we keeping this? We're not going to need this. And so what do we do? We give it away. We take it to goodwill. We burn it. We do whatever. Well, that's the same attitude with end-time eschatology. Are we going to use that? We're not going to need this. We're not going to need this. Jesus is coming soon. We can clean this out. Oh, yeah, we can. Christian activism, we can clean that out. We don't need to do that. We're fighting against God. I'm, I, know that, I know I'm beating a drum, but some of you need to hear it. See. Some of you need to hear that this has paralyzed the American church. Hey, Jonathan, when did eschatology first appear? What, what did it say? 1920. Didn't I see that in there somewhere? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 1929. Some guy wrote a book. Huh? All right, I'm going to shift gears. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Hey, let me give you some good news real quick here. Pull up number seven. I got I got a couple things, and this is kind of a, a manic Monday. This is, this is, you guys ever watch Jim Willie? I like to watch Jim Willie every once in a while. He's a metals guy. He's a metals expert. And he's, he's really unique, you know. He has a real unique is a real unique uh, view of money and end times and the BRICS nations and what's going on. I watch, I, I really enjoy him. I, I don't know how solid he is. I really don't know. But he said something this weekend that blew my mind. Are you sitting down? Jonathan, pull it up to uh, 820 mark, the eight minute and 20 mark. Jim Willie. We'll start. You know what? Listen, folks, you know what he's going to tell you? You guys remember the Brunson case? Y'all remember the Brunson case? We sent letters in, go to the Supreme Court. Y'all remember that? You know what Jim Willie says? The Brunson case has been decided. Good guys. Huh? Go ahead and play that. And then I heard it again. 
uh, in um, a very unique delivery of some information to me um, by uh, someone who works as an engineer at a very high-level organization. Uh, they all said the same thing. The Brunson case has been decided in his favor, which means the oath of office for our leaders and the executive and legislative branch were violated, but it gets far more complicated because now it's become known that they never signed an oath of office. So we've got a very mysterious <laughs> government. I call it the Biden show. I've never called it administration. I've never even given it the respect of calling it a regime, which I respect for a criminal like autocrat like Maduro in Venezuela. By the way, Maduro means they don't stop. So what's the so, point? What's the point? Jim Willie says that the Brunson case has already been decided in that the elected officials violated their oath. And as they began to dig in deeper, they found out not only did they violate their oath, many of them didn't even take an oath. They didn't even swear an oath. I, I said yesterday, I hate to tell you this, we're swinging from dark to light, friends. We are swinging from dark to light. Betty showed up yesterday. Did I say that? Man. Betty and Betty always comes. Thanks, thanks, Betty. We are swinging from dark to light. And we are going to see the greatest upheaval in the American government in the history of forever. We're going to see it, friends. Yeah, we're going to see it. We're going to see, uh, well, we're going to see it. Boom. Uh, there's stuff, there's stuff happening so fast around us. Can I tell you why? Because we're heading from dark into light. And the light is beginning to expose some pretty evil people and some pretty evil stuff. And what happens when the light begins to shine on the bugs? They scurry and they run for cover, don't they? Huh? What do they call that? Uh, uh, my brain, come on. The rats are the first ones to leave a sinking ship. Folks, we are watching the sinking ship America. We're watching it. We're watching it right now. The sinking ship America. And we have got to focus ourselves as Christians, as advancers of the kingdom of God in this time and this place. We've got to begin to focus ourselves on preparation to rebuild. The upheaval is coming so big that we can't even understand if we survive the judgment of Almighty God. If we, if we, we deserve to be judged, right? America deserves to be judged. Gospel of the kingdom, gospel of the kingdom, right? And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all the world, and then the end shall come. Into what? We don't know, but we think we do. Because why they've been telling us since 1928 of this end time eschatology that then hopped on top of it by by uh, some movie, and now the whole world. Uh, oh, well. Oh, well. Got another thing I'll show you. I, I, this, this snuck by me. I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it. The Lemon case has been overturned. The Lemon case in the courts. Remember, I've been trying to encourage you that we have won the courts back. Remember I told you that? We have won the courts back. That's why everything they're going to try to do now is going to be legislative because they lost the courts. Supreme Court, I, this slipped right by me. I didn't even know this. The Lemon case, in when the, when the coach got, uh, when the Supreme Court overthrew the suspending of the coach for praying, remember that one? Remember that, Coach Kennedy? The Supreme Court came down and said, oh, he has a right to pray. He has a right to pray. Prayer before football games is legal. Prayer before high school games is legal. Prayer in schools is legal. Prayer at city council meetings is legal. Did you guys know that? Did you, did you know that? And did you, did you know this kind of snuck by me? I didn't know that. That the Lemon case, what was the Lemon case? Uh, Jonathan's got it up here. How long is that, Johnny? Four minutes. Okay, this is the Lemon case explained, and it has been overturned. Go ahead. 
there's incredibly good news in the area of religious freedom. Hi, I'm Kelly Shackelford. I'm president and CEO of First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the largest legal organization in the country that all we do is religious freedom. And there's some tremendous news that very few pastors, unfortunately, know about, and that's why I'm trying to get you the news. There has been an attack going on across our country against religious freedom in ways I think a lot of people have never seen. But we've had some major, major victories in the last 13 months. And I just want to focus on one and let you know the implications. There's more to this, and we'll certainly provide you anything you want. But a lot of you heard about the Coach Kennedy case. Coach Kennedy was a guy who just wanted to go to a knee and pray after the game, and they fired him for that. And we went all the way to the Supreme Court, won a case that you cannot do that. That violates the First Amendment rights, free speech, and free exercise of religion of the coach. And this fall, he's already back as a coach. Coach Kennedy will be going to a knee, and there will be plenty of TV cameras. But what people don't know is what happened within the decision. Within the decision, there was a major precedent by the name of Lemon. And that was overturned. What Lemon was is we have an establishment clause because our founders didn't want there to be a nationally established church that everybody had to support. So that's what they put in the Constitution, that we weren't going to do that. Fifty years ago, the same Supreme Court who gave us Roe v. Wade said, no, we think that this clause means a lot more than that. We think it means a strict separation of church and state, that wherever government is, religion can't be. We think it means that if you're offended by religion, you can bring a lawsuit. You can't bring lawsuits because you're offended, only against religion. So our whole lives, we've seen attacks on nativity scenes at Christmas and Ten Commandments monuments and prayer to school board meeting. And if there's any sort of religious activity at school, it's like the school's on fire. Why? Because any of these things are in the Constitution? No, because of the Lemon case. It's been cited over 7,000 times in the last 50 years. Well, just 13 months ago, the Supreme Court reversed Lemon. It is no longer the law. Everywhere that crosses went down, they can come back up. Everywhere that Ten Commandments were put in the closet, they can come back out. Prayers can be back at the school board meeting. Students, players can pray together after the game. The coaches can join them. What's happened is for 50 years, people have been trained that they can't do all these things regarding faith and, and expression in public. That's no longer the case. Everything has just shifted. But the problem is people don't know. Amen. And so what we want you to do as a pastor is pass this information along because everybody can restore faith in their own community. All they have to do is walk in the freedom that God has given them. There's a Amen. truth now that people don't realize. Every Boom. Hey, real quickly, I think this is important so that you understand. Play the next one down there, uh, Jonathan. Uh, the lemon, what is the lemon test, okay? This isn't very long. It's three minutes. This explains, see, look, if you, the lemon test said, said this, if any reference was made to religion, it violated the separation of church and state. You could not in any way, shape, or form bring religion into anywhere where the government was. That was a lemon test, all right? And that's the lie they've been telling us for 70 years. And it's removed Christ from everything. Hey, folks, doors back open to Jesus. Go ahead and play this. The lemon test is a three-part test that the Supreme Court uses to determine whether a law violates the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment, which says that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The three parts of the lemon test are as follows. First, a law must have a secular purpose. Second, freeze! Freeze! The laws... Freeze! Does prayer have a secular purpose? Does prayer impact secular government? Yes, go ahead. That's a sec. They've been told, they've been telling us it doesn't, see? They've been telling us it doesn't have a secular purpose. Go ahead. Primary purpose can neither advance nor inhibit religion. And finally, the government may not be excessively entangled in religion. Okay, go back again. Go back again. Got to go back cuz I got this goes fast. So, the lemon test says what? There has to be a secular purpose. Does, does prayer First, provide a secular a purpose? Of course. Of course it does. The second part of the lemon test says, uh, first three, law must have a secular purpose. Go to the next one, Jonathan. The law must have a secular purpose. Says, second, the law is...
principle or primary purpose can neither advance nor inhibit religion. Religion, not Christianity. Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, huh? Any, if you go into a church, if you go into a school board meeting and you pray at a school board meeting, you are not, you are not endorsing a religion. How can you endorse a religion? How can a school board endorse a religion? Three exercises. But it's not the law anymore, folks. Hey, look, it never was the law. Under the color of law, it never was the law. The court just told us it was. And then the third one, the government may not be excessively entangled in religion. Huh? So if Coach Dave wants to pray before a football game, you want to tell me that the entire government is entangled in my prayer? How the hell does that work? And this has been the lie of the lemon test that they've used. How many times did he say? Some 800 times? Said, oh, you can't do that. That violates the lemon test. That vi-. And here we sit with our thumbs up our noses, not watching the devil run rampant. And we won't do anything because they've told us, oh, you're entangling in religion. There's no secular purpose to that. How stupid are we? Go ahead and play the rest of it. Not be excessively entangled in religion. The Lemon Test came from the 1971 Supreme Court case, Lemon versus Kurtzman. At issue was whether the government could provide state funding to private religious schools. Two states, Pennsylvania and Rhode Island, each passed statutes that provided financial assistance to private schools, many of which were religious. This funding subsidized the cost of textbooks and instructional materials for non-religious subjects, and it also supplemented teachers' salaries. In the majority opinion, Chief Justice Warren Burger applied the three-part test to the statutes at hand. First, the statutes did have a secular purpose, as they were intended to educate students. Second, the statutes were not intended to advance or inhibit religion. However, the Lemon Test's third prong, that the government could not be excessively entangled in religion, was found to have been violated. The court reasoned that government oversight would be required to ensure that the funds were being used strictly for secular purposes, thereby creating excessive government entanglement with religious schools. As a result, the laws were deemed unconstitutional. Those in favor of the Lemon Test argue that it provides manageable standards by which the Supreme Court can evaluate cases pertaining to the Establishment Clause. Thus, having this set of guidelines would provide some uniformity in how the courts evaluate and rule in these cases. Others argue that the Lemon Test is too vague and has been selectively invoked as a means of striking down disfavored laws. Justice Antonin Scalia once compared the Lemon Test to some ghoul in a late-night horror movie that repeatedly sits up in its grave and shuffles abroad after being repeatedly killed and buried. He continued that, It is there to scare us and our audience when we wish it to do so, but we can command it to return to the tomb at will. The future of the Lemon Test is uncertain. While still used by some lower courts, the Supreme Court has been hesitant to apply it in recent years. Okay, they haven't been hesitant. This this video was made before the court ruled. Do you understand, folks? You understand? Are you looking at me? Do you understand that the, your tax dollars should follow your child to Christian education? Do you understand that, friends? Do you understand what they've done to us? That those of you out there who are paying your property taxes to teach secular religion, atheistic, God-hating, secular humanism to our children. They're taking your dollars and they're sending it to that school to teach their version of religion. And then you have to dig in your pocket and pull out more money to send your children to Christian religion. That law no longer stands, folks. That law no longer stands. We're so winning. But see, we don't get it. We don't get it. We need someone right now to initiate a bill in Congress saying they're calling it the backpack bill in Ohio. That's what they're calling it. And of course, you can't get the Republicans to promote it. The backpack bill says this. The dollars follow the child. So if you paid, I don't know, let's, let's say the state of Ohio. We could check very quickly. Jonathan, I'm going to see if you're a magic man here, okay? Find out what the per child 
uh, federal government is per school. I see, it's, it's a fee, certain, certain amount, like $10,000 per child. $10,000 per child goes from the federal government. That doesn't include your local taxes. From the federal government to your local school. Are you hearing what I'm saying? $10,000 per child goes to your federal uh, to your school by the federal government. And they've been telling us what? You're not allowed to take federal dollars and give it to religious institutions. And the Lemon case just got crushed and says that doesn't apply. And so those of you who are digging in your pockets to put your kids in private education shouldn't have to do that anymore. Not only that, the federal dollars that come from the government ought to go right to where your kid goes to school. You get to, you guys get the significance of it? How, what is it, John? I don't know, federal law. Uh, there it is, John. Yeah, can you make it a little bigger? The federal government, oh my goodness, $13,185 per student annually to your local school. Now, if you were going to a private school, that money would follow your child. You guys understand what's going on? You understand it? You understand it? Hey, folks, is that a death knell? to secular education or not, right there. Is that a death knell? Wow. How about that? Federal, state, and local is 15,120,000 per student. And then you got to dig in your pocket and pay another 6,000 to send them to the Catholic school or wherever you want to send them, right? Federal government provides 7.9 funding for public education. Good catch, Jonathan. Public post-secondary schools, colleges, they get 28977 per student, but not for Christian education. Oh, there's that lemon test. Oh, no, no, no. Government money can't go to promote Christianity. Well, hell, not, hell yes, it can. <laughs> yes, it can. It should. Wow. Devil's been good, hasn't he, folks? He's been good. Oh, I'm hot this morning. Literally, I'm hot. We can so we can so win. We should so be winning. But why can't we? Amen. Because we're trusting those uh, Republicans, the stupid Republicans who don't even know, stupid pastors that don't even know. There's no separation between morality and education. There is no. Was it, who was it said? Was it Teddy Roosevelt? Said that to educate a child. Check me out here, Jonathan. To educate a child and not educate him in morality is to educate a menace, menace to society. See if you find that. Look, John, look for Teddy Roosevelt, menace to society. Teddy Roosevelt, menace to society. And then ask yourself, I'm going to open it up here. I, I got a lot more, a lot more. <clears throat> Jonathan's looking. He's doing a good job here. CE. Yeah, there you go. You're doing good. Jonathan must have been public school educated. Just kidding, just kidding, John. See what comes up here. Teddy Roosevelt. Children, to educate a man. There it is, the bottom one. To, there it is. To educate a man in mind and not in morals, to educate a menace to society. Somebody say amen. We have some menaces, menace to a society here, do we? Amen. Uh, educate amen. a man in mind and not morals is to educate a menace to society. Look around. Will you look around? God, hey, we're so winning. We are so winning. Okay, anybody want to come in here? I haven't, I haven't looked up here yet. Let's see. All right, George, come on. George, Myra, Clint, go. Okay, thanks. Um, Jonathan, can I please get that lemon test in the chat? I, I, I think tomorrow is the Dublin School Board meeting, and we need to pray in the school board. God's word has, hits like a hammer. To these right. Luciferian right. people. Secondly, coach, hey, George, uh, yeah. then, listen, George. Then when yeah. they don't let you pray, sue them. Go ahead. Okay. So, secondly, um, you said that on the Brunson case, yeah. if it's if it's one to uh, on social, it's on um, Telegram. I saw today at eleven o'clock, Donald Trump is going to be giving a big announcement, and I'll bet you that's what it is. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Do you understand? You guys know what the Brunson case says, right? All those people violated their oath. Boom, they're out. <laughs> they're out. <laughs> they're out. Come on in, Myra. Yes, Coach. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us in all truth. And yes, we are winning, Coach. Yes, yeah. Yep. Uh, Despite what we... eschatology might be. Despite <laughs> what some guy lied to us about back in 1924. We're winning. Go ahead. 
Yes, coach. Um, I'll be reading from Acts 26, 17 through 18. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. To open, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He's sending them. Is that what it says? Huh? To open the I'm going to deliver. I'm going to send you. Oh, amazing. Pastor Clint, come in. Pastor Clint took his people to the street again last night. Awesome. Go, Clint. Hey, man. You know, talking about the money following the child, I'll, I'll take it one more step. I think that it should follow homeschool children. Absolutely. And the fact of buying everything they need, computers, the whole nine yards. Clint, dude, come on, man. Folks, do you get this? Do you understand it? See, the, the federal government, by denying you tax dollars, are violating your First Amendment right to freedom of your religion. They're given money to educate non-religious kids. And the Lemon Test said you couldn't give to Christian kids. That's out the window. They can't do that anymore. So we should demand all the taxes that you pay comes back to you for homeschooling. Amen. Can anybody have an argument against that one? Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on. Sun's coming up. It ain't going down, boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shake your head. Your eyes are stuck. Sun's coming up on America. If we'll stand up and fight. Amen. Bless you, Clint. I didn't mean to cut you. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. Anything else, Clint? That's all, Coach. All right, buddy. God bless you. Proud of you, man, getting out there. Dave Allison. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Hey, we are winning, Coach. Um, Sherry and I had the privilege of going with Eileen. Eileen was asked to speak at a meeting Friday night. It was called God in Government. And it was up at a church of color. And uh, Coach, we're winning. And uh, I'm telling you what, first of all, you've been proud. Eileen, she's taken it to them. I, she, she made a comment. She says, I asked these preachers. She said, well, we're praying about it. She said, well, can't your feet move, them while, move while you're praying? Amen. Yeah, I thought that was a great statement. Amen. I pray and, as I go. That's what I say, Dave. I pray and, as I go. And then she crashed a pastor's meeting. They have a pastor's meeting like once a month in time. She crashed that. And one guy came up and says, who invited you here? And she says, uh, she, she, he said, did you come here to spy on us? She, she looked at him. She did like you did. Coach, she leaned in. She says, why, you got something to hide? You know? <laughs> but anyway, Coach, I'm telling you what, they had a keynote speaker. He was from Westland, Michigan. It's a suburb of Detroit. And I was, man, I was pinching myself. If he'd had a cross hat on, I would have thought, that's Coach Dave in blackface up there. I'm telling you what, he was dropping truth bomb after truth bomb after truth bomb. I'm thinking, hallelujah, glory, man. I'm getting Amen. goosebumps just thinking about it. But, Coach, it was so, it was so uplifting to, to see what happened there. And uh, it, it's, it's awesome. Well, we, are, we are winning. We are Amen. winning. God, God bless you, folks. Listen, Eileen, go get him, man. Listen, look, are you looking at me? I don't care. Pastors are managers, okay? Pastors want to control the congregation. They don't want wildfire. They don't want anybody saying bad things. Look, <clears throat> Pastor Clint's going to find this out because his church is going to get more and more active. And as they get more and more active, the lukewarm Christians are going to start saying bad things about him. He's crazy. That church over there, they're crazy. But the, the, but the real on-fire Christians are going to be drawn to you. Clint, they're going to be drawn to you. Now, look, I know, you don't, I know it doesn't matter to you. I know you don't do it for that. But I'm going to tell you this. We are in a day and an age where people are looking for someone who will stand up and speak up. That's what I said yesterday. I thought it was a pretty good line. I said, my name's Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, and my pronouns are stand up and speak up. Isn't that it? Stand up and speak up. That's Boom. my pronoun. <laughs> Love it. Huh? Yeah. Because what we're going to do, we got to quit being quiet. The law is moving in our favor. Coach, I got one more truth bomb. Hey, Coach, one more thing I want to say. You'll love this. There was a young lady that was running for U.S. Senate.
Debbie Stabenow is not going to run again. So she's a person of color. She's going to run. And she was invited to a panel, and she dropped this truth bomb on them. And they have a law in Michigan that if you're under, if you're juvenile, 16 years old, you cannot be charged with, like, the death penalty or life in prison because you're juvenile. So she says, how many people here are in agreement with that law? Which she says she is, right? She said, oh, they all raised their hand. Yeah, we're all in agreement with that. She says, well, how in the world can we allow a young man or a young woman to cut their dillywhacker off before the age of 16? When we knew that the person doesn't have a solid mind at 16 to understand what they're doing when they kill somebody. Amen. How can they understand how they're going to change their sex? Amen, amen, amen. God, brother, I just can't take, I can't, as Trump was saying, I can't take all this one because Craig Mickle just put something in the chat. It popped up there. I saw it. Folks, didn't we stake the Supreme Court before the Brunson case? Somebody help me out. Didn't we? Huh? Amen. Didn't we? Or is that just by happenstance? Think it um. just kind of happened? Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Jack, come on in. Then Sheila. Yeah, what, what Dave just said is of critical importance because we're going to have to get good people, really good people, in the halls of government to defend our proper rights because... Amen. As the Lemon Law is overturned and the abortion bill, Roe versus Wade was overturned, we found that that came back and bit us because it turned it into something else. So the Lemon Law will, as you're saying, how many mosque schools do you want to promote? How many mosque schools do you want to receive funds? So we got to be careful with this, and we got to get good people into properly by with Christian standards because. All religion isn't freedom in this country. Hey, 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 let me tell you something, Jack. I, I hate to tell you this. Not all Christians are, brother. <laughs> you, we got to be. We got to be really, really careful. Not all Christians are. Uh, sorry. Well, we, be, we also got to be very careful where we where we promote this lemon law overturning because they will use it against us, just yes, like they turn the, the abortion thing. They'll go to the legislature, and they're gonna they're gonna count on the Chinos. Yeah, Chinos, Chinos, Christians in name only, Chinos. Yeah, that's how, that's how they advance a lot of this stuff. Craig, I'm gonna get you in here in a second. Let you talk about that. Sheila, go, and then uh, Tom, go, Sheila. Okay, President Trump already pushed it through. We have school choice, and he explained it in several several times. He was doing press conferences. He explained it, guys. That money that you're that's being paid uh, for each of your students, and the money amount is known. You have a right as a parent to have that money and do whatever you want with it to educate your child because they knew they knew what the books were doing. They knew what the teachers were doing. They knew all of it. And it's called just called school choice. I've been saying this for years and people have not even tapped into it. And the argument to me is, well, Sheila, where do we go to get the money? Do you know who we fill out the forms for? He gave us the right to do all of this and school yep. choice. You can look it up. School choice yep. already happened. Trump put it in effect. Amen. 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 So I, yesterday, I got to brag on my little grandson, David. He's uh, seven. Maybe he's eight. I don't know. I don't know what he is. And we were having a discussion. I can't remember what we were talk, talking about. And uh, I, I talked about government getting involved and overstepping their bounds. And he's, you know, he said, he says, Grampy, do you, do you mean like the Romans did? <laughs> I about fell out of my chair. <laughs> Tom, come on in. Good morning, Coach. Good morning, Q. Good morning. I'm listening to you this morning, Coach. Uh, Lord led me to Proverb, Book of Proverbs in Chapter 1. I've got a short little thing here. And it's uh, Chapter 1, starting at 20. And it says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out, in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate their knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called, and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel. And would not have and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm, 
and your destruction comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge, it did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them. And this is the verse kind of really hit me. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Amen. I looked at that, and then I, you look at the amplified version of it, and it gets even. It gets pretty intense. Those words I was looking at simplicity, and it was primarily just looking at it was it was scoffful in the simplicity of it. They're like they didn't want to diligently seek into what it means. They and, didn't love the truth. They didn't. They didn't love the truth, Tom. No, and they wouldn't. And it was a thing of where they literally laughed and mocked, and they wanted to make their own truth. And I noticed too here, right there, it says wisdom calls aloud outside, not inside. It's for everybody. Everybody's the Bible says that no man will have an excuse. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Pastor Tom. So uh, how many kids do you, did uh, you and Nicole have? Uh, We have nine kids, four son-in-laws and praise God. Now three granddaughters. There's nine kids with you homeschooled, right? Yeah. Hey, Tom, how much does the government owe you for doing that? <laughs> how much have we paid in property tax, everything else, to these public schools? You, folks, do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? They've not given us a penny. How much was it? How much federal dollars a year per student went? 20000 Was it 20000 It was. A kid. Per kid. And so, Tom, you got about one hundred eighty grand coming your way. way I see it, right? That's a year, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's 20, it's 20 some. What's it say down at the bottom? 28977 per people. No, that's, I'm sorry, that's, that's post-education. I was wrong. Uh, 13, 15,120 per kid. Hey, I'll take a, I'll just take a few, just give me five in cash. Tom, Tom, <laughs> that's per year. That's yeah. per year. Right. Now, look, folks, listen. They've done it under the color of law. Yep. You, are, you, are you connecting the dots we're trying to connect here? You, you, you see what's going on? You see how they've done And you know what, coach? Every year I got, I was a little, uh, I talked to my wife this year and, uh, every year we've had to, we have to write to the, uh, superintendent and let them know that we're homeschooling, get their permission. And, and I sat there and I looked at it and I said, why in the H are we writing these letters? I mean, it just, I got, she goes, well, it's not, it's not asking permission. It's letting them know what we're doing. I said, that's permission. That's right. We kind of looked at each other and I said, this, this, the bottom line is, you know, it's, it's just really asinine, really, when you think about it. It is. We're awake, folks. Sun's coming up. It ain't going down. Sorry about your theology. Government control. Cindy, come on in, Cindy. Or Roger, whichever one. I'll jump in real quick, Dave. And I, I think the, the, the school person you go to first is the treasurer. The guy who handles the books that don't go to the school board meeting. They don't know what they're talking about. Right. An appointment with the school board treasurer. He's the one that handles the money. That might be the first person to talk to about. I want my school choice money. Now he may not know anything about it either, but see in the state of the lawsuit, Roger, it begins a lawsuit. See they, in the state of Ohio, they kind of sneak this in because see, they say if your school is getting a failing grade, and this is in uh-huh. most states. You can then take your money wherever you want to go, but they have a little, you know, a little thing that you got to do. You got to shit, and the school's got to be failing. But I'd go to the school treasurer first. They may be familiar with something because I like what you're sharing, and I think there's some truth to it. I think there's a lot of truth to it, folks. Huh? But but Dave, it's like the backpack bill, which was supposed to mandate your money could follow. The Republicans would not support that. So what do they do? They do the education choice, which is they just give you money. They still let your tax dollars stay yep. in the corrupt school system. Right. But they just give you money now. So they budgeted the money that you can take to private schools in Ohio in 2024. 
but they didn't have the, the, the guts just to backpack it and you can just take it wherever you want to go. See, they don't need guts now. It's a violation of the law. It's a violation of the law under the color of law. They don't need guts anymore. We want the law enforced, folks. We want the law enforced. And here's what it is. It will cause the collapse of public education. Praise the name of the Lord. That's what Amen. Tracy. Amen. Amen, coach. And what we're just talking about the money that parents um, can use. What about all of us paying taxes that don't have kids in school? I should be able to send my money to my grandson or no to kidding. fund another child or fund someone else or the school that I want to be funded. I'm paying right. taxes and don't have a child in school. You're How much more money are we money. talking? You want your money to fund Christian education. That's what you want, right? You don't want it to fund secular Boom. education. All the stuff they've been telling us is lies. We ought to all be picking up the phone and say, hey, all that tax money I've been paying, I want it to go to this Christian school. This is this is where I want it to go. I want it to go to this home school co-op. That's where I want it to go. Folks, come on. Come on, church. Amen. Victory is right in front of us if we could get the eyes to see it. But I hate to tell you this. We think we're losing. We think we're losing. Jock, come on in. And Sheila, you still got your hand up. If you want to come back in, hang on a second. Go ahead, Jock. It's always been uh, frustrating to me, Coach. Um, I've never had children my whole life. And for decades, I've been paying taxes to a school system. Yes, sir. Under the color of law, Jack. Under uh, Jock, under the color of law, they told you you had to. And now we know that's not true. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, why? Hey, Jock, we're winning, man. We're winning. Jeff Klein, come on in. Just real quick, tomorrow night in the garage of Mount Vernon, Tom and Harry on the child trafficking and rescuing kids. So, six o'clock tomorrow night. Tuesday night in the garage, six o'clock, Tom Dunn and Harry on rescuing of children. Hey, look what I got here. We're going to be talking about these, our little keychains, Craig. We're ready. Got to talk to you, Craig. Little keychains. God's children are not for sale. Matthew 18, 6. Reminder. I'm sorry, the green screen doesn't show this very well. Every place you put your foot, Bob and Tammy Evans made these. Every place you put your foot, God's given unto us an inheritance. Pray for the children. Everywhere you go, when you carry your keys, you're reminded that every place you put your foot, God's given to us as an inheritance. These are available. We'll oh, should about we them. order those on your website? Uh, well, I'm, <laughs> thanks, Mary Beth. I don't have that up okay, yet. That's what, that's what we're getting ready to do. And here's what we have to do. This is crazy. Uh, we want to charge five bucks for one. And uh, to ship it, it's 250 But if you buy four of them, the shipping is only 250 still. So the more that you would buy, they're five bucks a piece. But you have to add 250 shipping on each one of them. But not if you put seven in a box, 10 in a box. Get it? And then you can... See, we're trying. Well, I'll get. I'll get to it later. Jack, come on in, Jack. Oh, I just, I love it. I watch. I just sit here sometimes and smile from ear to ear as I see people's eyes opening, and you, you reveal certain things. I just, I just grin from ear to ear for watching you do this. I'm, I'm also saddened by the fact that in Maine we give your tax, our tax dollars, four million dollars. To Planned Parenthood, four million dollars. Why, why stop, are we doing Jack. that? That's got to stop, mm. folks. That's got to stop. It's only a little bit. It's, it's only a little bit every week. It's just a little bit. God's going to wink at that, right? Yeah, yeah. Betty, I want to say one thing. I I told. I think his name was Jack, the older gentleman about his church. What I really loved is that people were interacting through church. They, they weren't on a set schedule, basically. So it was nice that they would get up and pray or they had a prayer list or they wanted to say something. That's I told them this is what a real church is supposed to be like. So mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. 
Amen. Amen. Look, uh, Jeff, did you want to come in again? Just want to let you know, Craig Mickle sent a package of them footprints. We'll have them in the garage tomorrow night. So he hooked me up with it. It's low information on it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about it. Uh, you can buy them for five bucks and sell them to others. We're trying to, Craig's trying to raise some money. We'll talk about that. So look, I got, uh, I got Bridie on coming up here at 11. And I'm going to, I'm going to deliver some really, really bad news. And I want you all to be braced for it because I'm going to go on Bridie on. And I'm going to announce things are getting better, not worse. Sorry. Sorry for all of you out there who are just doom and gloom and that we're going under, we're not going over. I'm going to have, I'm, I'm, I got to be the guy that brings the bad news. The sun's going up in America. It ain't going down. Sorry. Things are going to get better, not worse. Sorry. The greatest revival the world has ever seen lies right in front of us. Hate to break the bad news to you. See you tomorrow.